As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're about getting ready to do the test on the lights. There's a three, two, one countdown and the lights went on. The fog was so dense, I couldn't see the lights from 300 feet across the river. It's that kind of the perfect that- 2020 moment, right? It's just everything this year has been. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. A bright light in the dark. Amid all the challenges of 2020, an amazing dream became a reality for one of Milwaukee's most influential voices. Ian Abston and his partners completed a four-year journey to light the entire Hone Bridge with thousands of -of state-of-the-art LEDs that put on a show each and every night. And that was just the beginning. Ian details the impact the project could have on attracting people to Milwaukee, plus some of the wild technology that allows the bridge to respond in real time to every Brewer's home run or Giannis dunk. Ian first made his mark in our city with Newwalkie and shares some great stories like when a New Year's Eve party got a little ugly at the art museum and the time he picked up a hitchhiker in the rain only to find out it was one of Milwaukee's biggest names. Plus how the pandemic could make Milwaukee the next it city in the U.S. and how life has changed for Ian as a new father. It's a fun conversation so let's flip the switch and get to it. From my kitchen to his living room, Ian Absent joining us here as this is the way we do things in 2020, taking a break from diaper duty as he's a new dad as well. Ian, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. Diaper duty, and I'm getting uh, lunch in, which is a can of tuna with sliced up pickles. Fatherhood. (laughs) I I have just over a two-year-old daughter, so I know you got to fit in everything you can in those uh, brief moments of of free time. I appreciate you doing this. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. A lot I want to get to uh, over the next little conversation, certainly some of your background, some of the future of Milwaukee, but we got to start with, uh, honestly, one of the few bright spots, both literally and figuratively here in 2020 for Milwaukee. You for, like uh, that yourself. That's good, right? That's I came brilliant. That brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> I came up with that. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely using it. All right. Yeah, I'm cool. talking about Light the Hone, of course, this project that for you has been years and years in the works to put up thousands of LED lights on the Hone Bridge. We've finally seen it in reality now, both the opening in October. We recently had the election. You guys are already lighting it up red, white, and blue for different events, and there's more of that to come. I'd love to know for you, though, just to get things started here, what was the first wow moment, the first maybe holy bleep moment when you saw it full in person like you dreamed and like you'd worked towards, and it was finally a reality? Great question, and, th- and thanks for having me on. Uh, so myself and uh, Mike Hostad, as you said, four years in the making on this, and um, I'm going to answer your question two ways. The way it should have happened. So 
fun four years of up and down fundraising. You hear no's and yeses, and it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions. And what got us through the down parts is thinking about that that first time we all see the lights and how cool it's going to be, and we're going to have friends and there'll be champagne and you know thousands of people. We might do boats. It'll be a just a party on the the lakefront to see it. And of course, COVID hits, so we are down. We're we're picking our small little areas, and then. Uh, 75 people max for VIPs and public area. We're getting all set. So that's set that night. Okay, not the party we we planned, but maybe the, the party we need. And um, we're about getting ready to do the test on the lights 15 minutes before. There's a three, two, one countdown and the lights went on. And uh, we thought the controllers were screwing with us. Like, you guys, shut up. Put the lights on, put the lights on. The fog was so dense, I couldn't see the lights from 300 feet across the river. I've never seen fog light that. And uh, so that night that was supposed to see the lights, um, we were fogged out for all of our VIPs and donors, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of the perfect 2020 moment, right? It's just everything this year has been. You're absolutely right. And a lot of people came over to, to, to Mike and I and Lori and Greg and just, yep, got, got 2020. My buddy who had helped get the DNC here, my other buddy who has wedding canceled three times, he's like, join the club. Come on. It's, we're, all, we're all in this. So uh, I think that was a, a tall sip of bourbon that night. But a week later, um, we were kind of working with the lights and it's been a, a tech game in progress and we saw it illuminate um, in full capacity. I'd seen it at like 50% and partially lit before, uh, but we were watching it from the public boat launch and we were seeing it the Phillips guys were there playing with it. And then next door, there were just 15 photographers there, like the long lens kind of just, just people that love taking photos of Milwaukee and the skyline were there to just shoot shots. And that was, that was cool. Cause you could hear their, hear them talking and their feedback. And one of the Phillips guys asked one of the photographers, Hey, what's your favorite color? And he said green and he just changed it green. And then they realized, Oh, the guys behind you are messing with the, uh, with the light. So that was the moment where we got to hear their feedback. They're all there. It was a kind of a cold night and they're, they're taking photos and got to hear some of their stories. Not all of them were from Milwaukee. And it's cool when, when people share why they're, they're excited about something that you've, you've spent a lot of time in. And that's the thing. It's going to be there every single night for however long, much longer it lasts. It's not just that first initial kickoff. Yeah. Well, we're, we all plan events and like fireworks and we do a lot of firework like things here. And it's like we call it the event hangover. You put all that effort in, and then the next day the red carpet's rolled up, the tents are put away, and you're you're kind of left with photos of what, that experience you curated for so long. And tonight it's it's on, and tomorrow night it'll be on, and next election it'll be on, and that's that's the cool part. The, the fog won't hold it back. A decade from now we'll still be doing this. One of the neat things I read about uh, kind of the germination of the idea and whatnot was you sitting around watching a Bucks game and there's the skyline shots and it kind of ends with the home bridge and it was kind of drab. And I thought that was funny because when this initially started to come up in the news, we started to see some of the test runs, whatnot. The very first thing I thought was like, oh, ESPN, TNT's in town. This is going to be the shot now. The home lit up, the skyline mm-hmm. in the background, that'll be the shot. So what are you excited yeah. for in the future? What are we? What can we expect for what this project will be going forward from now, now that it is up and running? Well, so it's got several pieces to it. Um, I think it started out, and you might, on the surface, it's, it's a beautification project on the absolute surface. It's going to make Milwaukee's postcards, um, the skyline will have people coming down to the lakefront to, to, to see that. Um, and I, I hope that, is 
you know, that's where we started with all this. Then as we were talking before this, you're not from Milwaukee. Um, and you may, we might have our cheese beer brats mentality here, and that might still be the brand we carry. And I think there is an entire generation of, of Milwaukeeans our age and, and intergenerationally as well, that just, that's not Milwaukee. It's not the German authentic core polka kind of deal we might be telling the rest of the world. And I think it's a phase two. I think it's a, a marketing opportunity and a branding opportunity to help tell the story of what Milwaukee really is. And it's an, it's an unfinished city. What is so great about here is compared to Chicago, like we've got places in River West and Brewers Hill, you can buy for a wildly affordable thing and make it your own. And it's really hard to do that in other, other big cities. Um, so to a uh, branding, but then soon um, we're going to, we've got 12 nonprofits we're working with. Um, each of them get the starting January, we're going to launch this. And for the month of January, we're, we're putting a spotlight on, on them. Um, these are 12 nonprofits from all around the area. So boys and girls club is one of them. We got, this is, is one of them. And, um, we get to use our social media to tell the stories about the great stuff they're doing. Uh, and then half of all proceeds from that month of bulb sales goes directly back to those, those nonprofits. So that's what you're going to see. Uh, I think on the good end in the near future, um, also coming out is every Saturday night around uh, seven o'clock, we are going to be running back that show that we did on, on opening nights. That'll be sunk up to live music coming from 88.9 stereo that you can now watch the bridge lights sync up. Uh, so that's about two weeks away. Uh, one year from today is uh, those are all the near term things. Um, we are going to have local kids uh, actually designing the code for the bridge lights to do all the cool color changing stuff and the American flag, which you just saw from the election. So that's a project called code the home. And that was brought to us by a guy named Mark Fairbanks, uh, from islands, islands of brilliance. That's the name of the, the, the group. And he just came to us and said, we've got kids that this, what if we go beyond the lights and what do you think about this, this coding structure? And it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and now we've got a variety of different nonprofit groups that all do STEM programming, working with us. Just imagine being a fourth grader, learning how to code, hitting enter, and then you and your family can come down to the lakefront to see your semester's work of work in light. So I think that is going to be an opportunity to inspire the next generation to get into those jobs that you know, we need. And that all happened on accident because there's people in this community smarter than Michael and I as we we're working through this. That's really neat to hear and uh, to use another kind of corny turn of phrase, but it's, it's a beacon. It's a real beacon for people downtown and as a way to, like you were saying, maybe draw people to the city that wouldn't necessarily be here in the first place. It's very cool to hear. I hope so. What, what other terms you got? Just lay them all on the <laughs> Well, if you need uh, you need some marketing help, maybe on the side. I, I can write no kidding. You're the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I, I said shine a light before. I thought you were going to call me out. Like, no, I am now. I just love it. I'm in the can for it. We're both dads, so all the uh, puns are perfect for us now, right? Right. I'd be curious. Um, also, just some of the logistics for people. What does it take to light it? What does it take to sync it up? I know there's been talk of like a Brewers home run or a Packers touchdown. You know, pretty immediately you could see that downtown light up. But what does it take to operate this going forward? So, um, just. Some of the funding, it was about a three and a half million dollar project, 3.7. Um, so that's what it takes to put lights, run the infrastructure. Um, Michael knows this end better, the technical end than I, than I do, but just conduit and Wi-Fi and getting all that hooked up. And we've got 14 different motherboards on the actual home bridge itself that the lights communicate through. So making it do all that cool stuff, that's not just like a keyboard where you're 
you're doing this, it's programming 14 different boxes to, to do that in sync. So quite complicated. Um, and we ran into some guys uh, through Phillips that uh, basically they tour with, you know, Beyonce and that caliber, and they're not touring right now. Yeah. Um, so they've got time and expertise. So we've been able to hook up with these guys in there. They help design a lot of our, our, our custom programming. They designed the music that 88.9 was, was playing. And uh, so in short, there's going to be an app on our phone um, that we can just kind of sit down and, and do this and it can change basic colors and you can program them in. So it will be eventually hooked up to the scoreboard at Miller Park, um, where it's actually just plugged in to probably a Twitter feed directly. And as that feed updates with scores, it will it will do customized Brewer home runs, um, Packer touchdowns, and it can get so customizable, in fact, and it can go really deep on the data uh, that uh, when Giannis dunks, Bucks colors will show on the bridge in a certain way. But then when Chris Middleton hits a three, a different Bucks colored pattern will emerge. So you can kind of, the bridge can also tell a story, huh. um, which is really cool. But then all of this in line with there's really great neighbors and supporters under the bridge in the third ward. So we want to make sure it's just not uh, constant beeps and flashing and everything. So we want to make sure when it's actually changing colors, um, you know, it can, it'll be, momentum and uh and you'll you'll think more about it because it's it's unique and then easy things in the near future like Summerfest, mexican fiesta um uh pride fest i mean that that rainbow is striking and stunning and beautiful and i can't wait to, for pride fest that's going to be the gate when you come in that's how you get to pride fest and then you know your your susan g coleman pink breast cancer awareness all that stuff so it's going to be hopefully just a mouthpiece for for the city and hopefully some things we're going to learn as we go. That's incredible technology just to think about like what goes into it. it. It's wild. I I just initially thought my father-in-law is a huge Cubs fan going back in the day and I hope the, the Brewers fans here will forgive me for that. But the W flag was a, a way for people coming down the CTA, coming down the L in Chicago to know whether the Cubs won or lost. And this is like a 21st mm -hmm. century version of that to some degree. Well, so today as those dirty rotten Cubs fans are jumping on 94 and heading back to Chicago, they're going to be after getting like no hitter against them. And you know, they got in a fight in the dugout cause it's the Cubs. Uh, they'll have to look at the Brewers colors on their way home and uh, sulk about it. We won't make them pay tolls on their way home though. Cause <laughs> until they get to their uh, godforsaken Illinois, right. <laughs> then they got <laughs> Just very quickly. Uh, and I'll get on to some other things, but the east side, I know there's there's plans, there's hopes of doing that, and potentially even by Summerfest of next year. Is that still in progress? What's the latest on that? And how does the electrical bill get done for, for this? Oh, good question. So, well, first of all, electric and maintenance is actually relatively modest. Um, to be lit every night um, is just over the cost of two single-family homes. So, and then you, maintenance is about double that. So it's about 50K a year for electric. Um, because it's high um, uh, LEDs. Uh, so the technology on those are awesome. 10-year um, warranty, et cetera. So we're, we're set for a while, and it's roughly 50K, and I think that might be high end. Um, and your second question about the east side east of the side, lights. Yeah. yeah, east side. So here's the question we get is, why light up the east side? Who sees that except, like, boaters and kayakers? Here's who sees it. 
uh, any event at Discovery World in the Art Museum and the lakefront on that side and some of the, you know, downtown office buildings. But really, it's also just the skyline view. So going back to your point before, the aha moment for us was, you know, I'm a big fan of Milwaukee. I love the brand of Milwaukee, the story, and I love bragging about Milwaukee. I think it's an underrated city. And when that ESPN game of we've got this guy named Giannis and he's getting some eyeballs and uh, that panoramic five years ago of coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they stopped the shot and the Harbor district, which was just, just darkness, just darkness. And that was the last brand opportunity for the city of Milwaukee, the state of Wisconsin for the cut. So that is who that is for any posters that you buy. When that kid from Austin is thinking about taking a job here, he Googles Milwaukee that'll be on a, a skyline shot. It'll be one of the first images they see. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And that might might in inject in that kid, like, that's, go there. There's something going on. Look at this cool stuff on the skyline. It's a happening place. It's it's tech-friendly. Um, those are those are the reasons why we get that other side lit. So what that needs is it's we're, we're selling the naming rights for the bridge, both sides, the bridge lights to, it's $2 million. So that's a big thing we're floating right now. Now. So we're just waiting for a whale to come and grab it. And that like, yeah, so that should be, we'll see $2 million is um, for 2 million bucks. They can be called the Carl lights. So <laughs> let's send a check. I'll put the address in the chat box. I don't make that much, but I can forward it to Ted Perry and see if he wants to put the bill for that. How about that? <laughs> I don't want Ted's lights. And <laughs> Ted would have to deal with all sorts of stuff. You need to like sync it up to his ukulele and just be a mess. Oh, you be bet. Terrible. You bet. You bet. Just like, can, can this be just a giant, giant light of my face? No, Ted. <laughs> yeah. awesome. I'll switch gears. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. And, and you can also do the other side live music on Summerfest as well. So yeah. just imagine you plug yeah. it into an amp. That's yeah. Cool. I mean, that would be incredible for a performer to kind of see that too. From yeah. Yeah. Um, love to get into some of your background as well. I'm going to see if I can catch you with this uh, Eagle Scout when you were growing up. Is that right? Oh, I also also read, also read, though, that at some point you had to do 40 hours of community service for something you did in high school. So what's the story there? How does this great Eagle Scout of a, of a young man also end up doing? I'm having some connection problems. <laughs> uh, I, where did I, so uh, my buddy and I, Barry, actually, we were both in the, my dad was the Cub Scout master. I did Daryl Apson. It was one of these like in fifth grade when everybody else is, all the other dads like take a take the put move the chair back and my dad was the last to do that so they're like daryl and he was scoutmaster and he made sure my brother got eagle and i got eagle and then a bunch of people around us as well he's like if i'm putting my time into this damn it you are going to get you're going to go all the way so um i have to say it's probably better parenting than me being like an authentic eagle scout but it was awesome loved the camping and taught you a lot uh but the summer i was turning 18 getting that eagle you know i'm a social being and I got, I, yeah, it was, it was a rough, rough uh, 11 months. I think I got three underage drinking tickets in 11 months at the age of 17 in the hometown of Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, officer Scott Nimi. Not that, not that you've kept that with you this whole time. Urgh, we got a pin doll, right? Yeah. So he was, he, he's the one, he, he snuffed you out and got you. There was only a, like a town of a thousand people. So there's Abstin's car again. I was never drinking and driving one time. I was like hosting the homecoming party and I got caught with a keg in my, my trunk. So like, not only do I get the drinking ticket, but all 30 people that were going to be going to that party were vastly disappointed. Uh, so it was after, uh, I think my, my third one, I think that was a, a solid 40 hours of community service, but 
I ended up doing a lot of that community service at Salvation Army, fell in love with thrift stores. I was in the back, like sorting and like cleaning up all, all the time. And I think, uh, as far as people doing community service, apparently I showed up on time and like did at least a half half-ass job. So, uh, they let me do the fun stuff, which turned into sorting. And then I got really into the Salvation Army. I managed a Salvation Army thrift store in college and now I'm on the board of the Salvation Army, uh, in Milwaukee. So that drinking ticket led to some good somewhere. Mom. There you go. Positive. Yeah. That, was, that was an amazing way to turn things around. It was a pretty yeah, we, good segue too, because I was going to try to get to Milwaukee, which is at least in the early stages, you hosting parties, but doing it legally and officially here in Milwaukee. Yeah. We could probably do a whole hour on just that time in your life, but I'd be curious if one story kind of sticks out from the early days or something that you've always remembered where you guys and some of those early founders were like, wow, we, we really have something here. This is really, this is really getting pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, great question. So that uh, 10 years, when I first moved to Milwaukee, it's a, it's a, man, Milwaukee's such an incredible place, but it can also sometimes be a hard spot to just move to if you're an outsider. Um, because it's a, a, a lot of people who live here have never, I don't want to say never left, but like they've got, you'll see them at a bar and they'll say, how have you guys met? And they're like, well, we went to grade school together. We've known each other since kindergarten. And that's a lot of, you know, you're, you're together a long time. So it's kind of hard to infiltrate social groups if you're an outsider. Um, so I noticed that coming in and I tried to get involved in the networking groups. And that was where the kind of Milwaukee came from. And they got bigger and bigger because there was apparently this demand in, in Milwaukee. And there were a couple of things that, that kind of click in my head. One, we did an event at the, uh, it was New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve in Milwaukee at the time was like the most to get in anywhere was like 20 bucks and you get a, a crappy party favor, a kazoo and like some bad champagne, but it was just like a play to like pack the bars, but there weren't like high end things. And we started doing, we charged $50 one year and, it's so it sold out. So it was, we were like, Oh, people are willing to actually pay a little bit of money for an experience. So fast forward, like five years where we've sold out new year's Eve parties again and again, and we're at the art museum and we sold out the art museum for, for new year's Eve. And it was comp, it was buses, coat check. Like I think it was 1500 people there. It's a lot of moving parts for when everybody's getting there at the same time and everybody's leaving the same time. And of course it's new year's Eve and there's lots, you know, alcohol is flowing and the dance floor turned into just a, like someone spilled a drink and it's marble. So someone stepped on it and they fell and it was just, it was a skating rink out there for a minute. And uh, it was like 12, 17, everyone had just like done the sh champagne and all of a sudden the music goes off, the lights go out and there's like a 70 year old security guard trying to clear the entire dance floor. Like this guy took it upon himself that he is canceling the event. Like didn't, no one was on the radio. He's just like enough, everybody goes. So anyways, so apparently you have a lot of jurisdiction um, as a 70 year old security guard at the art museum at that time. So we had to clear everybody out, which meant 1500 people getting their coat checks, trying to get cabs and it's like 12, 22. So there were a lot of people that walked home in very short dresses that night, a, a good distance. So that one will always like stick out uh, in, in my mind. And the next one, maybe one that I'm like most excited about and proud of, well, there's two, one is the Urban Island Beach Party that's at Lakeshore State Park. We just, at the time, Andrew and Jeremy and I, we just loved going around the city and finding unique places to like bring attention to. And it's a state park and we held a big event there and we were expecting like, you know, two, three, 4,000 people the next day. We did the site check the day before and then we realized there was no running water, no bathrooms, no electricity. 
So we had this whole event plan and we're like never thought to do that. So we had some last minute extra high bill charges, rush order for generators and bathrooms. Uh, but the last one that kind of brings it back to home bridge, um, we were all in a meeting in the basement of the Grand Avenue Mall, and they were trying to think of ideas to rejuvenate West Wisconsin Avenue. This was before the arena. This was, you know, the mall was under the previous, previous ownership. It's kind of decrepit where the Irish places, those didn't used to be apartments. And West was, that was before Sculpture Milwaukee and Wisconsin Avenue. Like you didn't go west of the river especially if you were like had kids or a you know, family, you don't go west of the river. And there were your, they, they may have brought together a team and he's like, how do we do this? How do we get change the perception of West Wisconsin Avenue? And one of the ideas that was floated was a night market. And it was my partner, uh, Jeremy at the time. And it's a, these things are huge in Asia. Like most cities have a really cool functioning, vibrant nightlife scene around these night markets. And a night market is, it is a farmer's market with lights above it that's basically it and uh we we hosted one and worked on all these different vendors and thousands of people like families women pushing double wide baby strollers on wisconsin avenue at 9 p.m on a wednesday night and it so it was like density and safety and beauty and my some of my favorite photos of, of new walkie were just that outdoor beautiful scenery with the skyline in the back shot. And that kind of is what got me thinking on how important light is and what it can do to, you know, your, it can make you happier. But just as at the end goal is us, just human beings looking up at the sky, will those lights inspire the next kid with the next idea? Like home bridge is nothing. Check out what this kid has. And because he grew up in Milwaukee or she grew up in Milwaukee and like gets introduced to those stories that like, you can just, grab a project and go string some lights on a department of transportation bridge. It might take you four years, but like you now have a fingerprint on the skyline and it's something to pass down and like share with the community. And that's going to hopefully inspire the next and the next. And a lot of that came from those night markets on Wisconsin Avenue, which still happen. Not, not this year, but I mean, Milwaukee still grows those and they're, they're awesome. That's really cool to hear. And like personally, the night markets are some of our favorite thing living close to downtown. And I'll say yeah. that the Urban Island Beach Party, I think that was one of the first things I did when I moved to Milwaukee like four years ago. A couple of coworkers from this new station I just joined were going. So I met them and was like, oh, this city's pretty awesome. All right. I think I'll be all right here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, such, a, it's, a weird, it's such a weird thing. It's, yeah. such, it's the only like state park that, of that size um, in like the nation. It, it's, it was made on like the big dig. So like underneath, it's not natural. We made that out right. of like dug the tunnels and that's a that's a cool story there's like fox that live on that thing and it's such a if you're an outs if you're not from milwaukee you'd never know it existed so doing in a in those photos from that island oh, it's at beautiful night, it's my favorite awesome. view of the city yeah mm-hmm. yeah cool um this was kind of interesting i came across this urban alchemist and a national millennial thought leader so what exactly yeah. does that mean what exactly are you and what do you do these days that's just some bs i put on my linkedin for these that's pretty good yeah so that's a great, it, it can mean what you want it to mean. And I, I intentionally uh, opaque a bit in my friends. And I think my father-in-law at my wedding uh, even called me out in his wedding speech that he's still not sure what I do for a living, but I'm glad like my, he found my daughter kind of thing. So that was, this goes back. Uh, it, millennial thought leader. So did the new walkie thing, got invited to do a TEDx talk. And uh, I did a talk on millennials and what the, what the truths and what the lies are and what, what the reality of, you know, me at the time, I think it was a 32, 33, I'm 37 now. 
Um, and it did really well. It had, you know, hundred thousand, some views and every once in a while I'd get a call from someone saying, Hey, I, I like your take on this. Would you be willing to, you know, talk to us here, here? And, um, you know, what I, I remember saying what, no to one of the speaking opportunities. And they said, well, what if we give you X? And they threw a number at me. I'm like, oh, you can, that was the first time I ever got paid to speak. It never even came across my mind that you can, you know, charge to who wants to pay me to hear what I have to say. Not me, but found that kind of niche and uh, had kind of grown that brand. And people were bringing me in to talk to conferences, whether it's real estate or dentists, what's the millennial uh, perspective? Because technology is a pretty wild thing. And it's uh, there's always been a disconnect between generations, right? There's always the uh, today today's leaders look at the next generation and be like, no chance these people will ever be the the, the great humans we are. Uh, and then lo and behold, it, it it always the torch gets passed. But technology creates such a barrier, um, and creating intergenerational communication is tough. So that kind of led to the speaking career. Uh, and I do real estate on the side with uh, my my buddy Blair through the Urban Alchemist. Uh, that's where that came from. And I run a leadership group. Um, I'm trying to connect Milwaukee and Madison. That group is called Hone. Uh, yes and no related to the Home Bridge. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, I think a big opportunity in the state is to connect the two largest metros because we've got weird relationships between Milwaukee and Madison right now. So we've got 160 people in this leadership uh, group that are working together. Um and I think in 10, 20 years from now, it's a long-term play, but I think Milwaukee and Madison have a, we are going to be a much better positioned state and region if Milwaukee's best and brightest start working with Madison's best yeah. and brightest in the same problem. So that's coming up. And then we just launched a leadership group called Forward 48, which launched yesterday. You've got so your hands us. in everything. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the more, one of the more well-connected people, I think, in Milwaukee. I know one of the things that you're really passionate about is, is the idea of population growth and what Milwaukee can do to kind of raise its stature, raise its level nationwide, worldwide. So why don't you just set up really quickly what some of the things people might not know about Milwaukee when it comes to population growth, some of the issues we have here. Yeah. It's, so love that lead-in. So you might be looking at the Milwaukee skyline. We got a bridge lit. We've got, and even in the middle of a pandemic, apartment buildings are are going up. And you must think we're killing it. We are not. We are stagnant in population growth. And if you remove uh, the Latino growth in the last um, ten years, we would be in a in a decline um, as a, a an entire population of Milwaukee, which is really weird because right now is when metros are growing. Um, many metros are really growing you in mid tier sized metros as well. So you look at your Charlotte's, your Nashville, these are, these are comparable cities to Milwaukee. It is not a climate thing. Um, we have an opportunity right now, big picture. Uh, we're in a pandemic. The world is burning from the West coast. Uh, put yourself in those shoes over there. So the world is burning. You've just been working remotely for the last six months, which means you can get that Google paycheck, but still live anywhere in the world. So why would you live in Silicon Valley where the cost of rent is highest? All that coupled in with the time where the millennial generation, which is, is us, uh, is ripping through the workforce and we're the largest generation in history. The largest generation in history right now uh, is between the ages, basically under 40, between 20 and 40, which means we're having families. And when you're having families, uh, you couple that with cost of living in these big metro cities. And we have an opportunity right now is as the state of Wisconsin and Milwaukee to plant our flag, send a beacon, uh, if you will, and say, this is where you want to be. Imagine, uh, you know, 
getting that Google salary, but paying Milwaukee rent. You can live on Lake Drive and have three boats from what they're paying out there. Uh, so the opportunity is right now that Milwaukee can get together a plan and start raising population. When you think about actual population growth, there's two levers. Uh, more people stay than leave. So you're more, your 18 year olds and your 22 year olds when graduating opt to stay in Milwaukee, or you're getting more people to move here. It's a bucket and you're just plugging holes or pouring in water. It's a pretty simple function. You need more people to be here than are leaving here. Um, and the, it's really hard to get people to move to Milwaukee who have never been to Wisconsin um, because of that brand. But if you talk about boomerangs, these are all the people that graduated from UWM, Madison. We are highly, highly recruited on the West Coast because of our work ethic. I think UW-Madison is number one recruiting spot out of Google because it's the you have to be smart to get in there, work ethic, etc. cetera. Um, boomerangs, those are the people that used to live here. So uh, I think an opportunity right now is to, for real population growth is going after those people that used to grew up here, have a parent here who is your built-in babysitter. Uh, Cause you're right now, some of these people are having a kid trying to find that new larger house in San Francisco. And it's not, not possible. It is not possible. So right now it's a really good time to be us because we're positioned, I think, well. That's really interesting. That was going to be my question is whether the pandemic has kind of shifted the opportunity. And it sounds like it absolutely has. So on the one hand, you have this year that was kind of set up to be Milwaukee's year with the DNC and everything that we thought was going to be coming to town. But that's interesting. So the coronavirus and the way that the world has completely shifted during this pandemic has potentially changed the opportunity for the city or maybe a chance to fast track what people were already hoping would happen to the city. You're very right. Think about that. It's the right now the time of the remote worker we've, we might not love Zoom, but it's a reality. And this pandemic, who would have thought Milwaukee or the state of Wisconsin would, could have, could thrive after this pandemic. But if you look at the numbers, that opportunity is, is right now. And what you, what you just said is, is spot on. And we've got an opportunity to right now to tell that story. Um, and there's, I think there's going to be a lot of people super interested in what we have um, with the right incentives. Um, and working remote does you don't, we don't need to, the remote workers are the best. They pay rent. Okay. Um, they, they eat at restaurants. These are high paying jobs, but they, they're not like moving here and taking existing jobs. They're not filling vacancies. They're taking the vacancy with them and we get all the fruits of the, the that reward. So there's a big opportunity and a lot of cities are looking at this and it's kind of a race. It's kind of a race. What are the incentives to get and who's moving? It's not, it's not over 50 year olds. If you're moving, you're over 50. It's because of a, a, a job or some major life event. Younger people are looking for like, I'm, I want to be cool city, cost of living lower, et cetera. So we have to start doing things as a community to attract those younger workers. It sounds like part of that is is the marketing, the branding of the city, getting our name out there, getting people to know what Milwaukee has to offer, which is fantastic. Are are there other infrastructure things or other things that you're looking for from the city or trying to push the city to do that can jumpstart that? I'll give you like what research shows. So that I'm actively pushing. I'm, I'm on burnout right now for things I was pushing as this bridge finally got, got lit. But I'll give you some things that might be a little bit um, like not on the, not on the radar. Uh, so our generation is having, um, the millennials compared to my parents' generation are having kids five years later. So the average age was say 23. Now we're having kids at 28 and that number will probably continue to go up for a little bit. 
So, but you still have that desire to like nurture at a young age in your 20s. So younger people are getting dogs and they're treating these dogs like their children, like their future children. They're spending on Instagram every day. Don't you? I've got my own. I've got my own. That damn dog is so spoiled. Uh, And, you know, we, we treat that dog well. And what you have to consider moving to a new city. And if you have a kid, you need great schools you know, great urban playgrounds. If you have a young, if you have a dog, you need downtown dog parks. You have to be able to see yourself, you know, living a life within the city of Milwaukee. So weird things like where's your urban dog park? That that's actually a metric. I would, I would charge the city with like doing next. That's right next to, we need great downtown play spaces as well. If you want to keep people here you need a place for their kids to play and meet and yes we're in a pandemic but a year from now when things go back to normal like great urban recreational space and of course safety people want safety it's not just crime it's also natural disasters we don't have natural disasters here um as you're looking at the west coast is burning and you've got hurricanes elsewhere and flooding um midwest is a really good place to put down roots that's really interesting. Um, I, I mentioned this, but I think you're one of the best, most well-connected people I've ever come across in the city. And, and you, you've heard some of that. On a lighter note, any kind of story that comes to mind or any person you've met where you just kind of took a moment where like, what is my life? <laughs> How did this happen? How did I end up here? When you have all these inter- interactions, work all these connections between so many different groups and people in the city and around. Well, I think that's the, and is, as you're finding out, because you've been here, what now, three years? Yeah, four now, a little over four. Four yeah. years. So Milwaukee is such a, a small, big city. And I think one of the advantages I said is it's only, it's a shapeable city. Like you can have your fingerprint in it, but also it's a very easy city to get connected. And if you're doing good things, I had, you know, sat on a lot of nonprofit boards, but that's where you get connected. And then in Milwaukee's, Milwaukee gets kind of small after you start, who peeling back the layers of, of, of who's involved in what. So, you know, the getting involved in, just go out, sit on a nonprofit board and just watch how many people you meet because of that. Cause great hearted giving people that's oftentimes where they spend a lot of their time. And to, but to your, your previous question, we were doing these night markets, the night market was, I forget how many, how many years ago it was, but I was uh, driving over the sixth street viaduct by like Harley Davidson, that white bridge and on, on sixth, that bridge. And it was raining. And I don't, I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever picked up a hitchhiker and I'm thir- I was 30 at the time, 32. And I, and I, there's a, a guy, an old a tall guy in a suit dragging behind him, a, like a, a, a luggage with a, a newspaper covering his head and it was raining on him pretty good. So I just pulled over and offered him a ride. Like there's that guy was what you, if you know, the viaduct, it's a six block walk to you. It's a hike. So I offered him a ride and um, he was taller than I realized because I was in a car. And when he got in, he's almost touching the top um, of my roof and I, uh, you know, he's thanks me for the ride. And he like shakes his head off and pulls his ha- uh, hat back. And I look, and it's Mayor Norquist. Uh, for, he was the mayor before Barrett. He's a, he's a tall guy. He was in to do some talk at something. And I threw him in the car and we drove around and I showed him like all this stuff he probably didn't care about. I'm like, here's the night market and here's the Urban Island Beach Party. And that's the, and 
I'm pointing at all these things and he's just like, yeah, I really just need, need to get a ride to, uh, I needed to get to like the bus station. I took him like on a 15 block tour, but that was cool. And I got, of course, I, yes, I got a selfie with him. And once a year on Facebook, I'm reminded it's me and Norquist. Oh, he's just okay. like, will this kid please take me where I need to go? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not here. Get out uh, speaking of kids, we mentioned new dad. We got a little, uh, little look at the young guy, Bo, right? Yeah. What, what has been the, the wildest part of being a father going through the first few weeks of what will be a, a very long journey here? I'm getting interviewed by you and I look like this and I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> That's why so we I do this mostly audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Thank you. Thank you for that. So my standards are a little bit lower, but I, you're, how do I describe it? You're my wife is you're carrying this thing gives birth and the next day, like producing food for a child, waking up in the middle of the day. So, and I, I am on an empty tank. I'm getting so little sleep and she's getting even less. And her like, just the, the f- women are incredible. Uh, my wife is incredible. So that's really cool to see just how she's like t- handling this, but also, man, there is no bigger responsibility than being a father. And I don't look at myself as an adult most days, most days, like, like, yeah, we have a house, et cetera, et cetera. But, Oh, this is the first one that like all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you're a grown up and you're responsible for this and this and this. So that reality every morning that, uh, you know, you have someone you are responsible for. I think that, cause I always just, I just think of myself all the time as like a big kid. And this is that the reminder that, yeah, yeah, be a, be a kid, but uh, you gotta, gotta go be responsible. So that's really cool. Really awesome. I'll also say this, when you have a kid, I've never gotten anybody who had, had a kid a gift before. Cause I never had a kid. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, it. congrats on the sex, man. You know, I think is this <laughs> thing I would say to my buddies, like, Hey, congrats on that. And all of a sudden you realize how hard it is and how exhausting it is. And like your friends drop off, like a, a, a just the simplest thing, like a meal. Here's a home cooked meal. Just throw it in the oven for 10 minutes that goes such a long way. And I never thought to do that for people um, who had a kid before it never even occurred to me, but now like my wife and I are already talking like, what's the best recipe we can make for when, you know, Matt's kid comes in January, we're going to be ready. So that that's cool. It changes perspective, changes time, changes physical appearance, changes my value. That's why we're keeping it up here. I'm having, well, I'm having very uh, good flashbacks to a couple years ago for me going through new, new parenting, but then I hear from my friends and coworkers who have kids older than me, it just constantly changes. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you think getting them to fall asleep at a good time is tough? Try having like the talk or try talking to them about how oh, yeah. they can't smoke weed when it's legal in other states. Try having that logical conversation. I'm like, okay, oh, I'll be quiet yeah. now. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I... I don't envy that. I don't envy that. I guess, I guess in comparison, just a little losing of sleep is uh, apples to apples. I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> you kind of mentioned this, but uh, you know, feel like a big kid, and obviously life has changed for you in some pretty big ways recently. But just in general, you have been kind of this voice for the millennial generation here in Milwaukee, for the younger generation. Do you ever think about the fact that you at the same time are kind of aging out, and, and whether you can still be that voice or how you kind of pass the torch to that next leader that next person who has something to say and some big plans for the city the hell is that supposed to mean i'm just saying down the road down the road (laughs) (laughs) that um yes yeah absolutely and uh so here's what i'll say so here's uh, i get the question all the time like oh millennial expert well when are you too old for that well baby boomers used to be five years old so 
if you're an expert on a generation, you stick with that generation. You get a little bit, you will age with that generation. So first of all, get off me. Uh, millennials will always be uh, uh, millennials. We don't age out of it. We just grow into it. So, um, but I think in a city like our bridge project doesn't get done without intergenerational leadership. Um, and that comes at, at every level. So um, w- Michael and I, uh, I think he's a year or two older than me, when we first started, there's no way this gets done without today's leaders of Milwaukee, like, say, guiding us along the way. And there's no way we get to those leaders with someone 10 years older than, than us introducing us to them a couple of years ago and building those relationships. So it's this hyper-connected web in Milwaukee where we can accomplish absolutely anything. There's nothing we cannot do as a city, but sometimes there's going to be roadblocks. And, and if you can leverage your network to cut the red tape for the next person with the next great idea, um, that is what we need to be doing. We need to be cultivating the next generation of leadership to yeah, make money, do, do whatever you do at work and make money. But also when you're giving back, what does that look like? And are you involved civically and philanthropically? So roundabout way of your your question i feel pressure on that a lot actually and i think our friends do too and then there's the like we're not young professional like are we young professionals i don't know are, are we a young professional i don't know i think of myself as really young and then we keep hiring like 24 year olds yeah and they're on social media platforms you've never even heard of yeah you know Cool. Cool. So I guess I'm not that anymore. So, um, and there's always like, we can learn from them and they can learn from us much like we can learn from, from the next generation. So I'm going to be a better leader if I have, uh, people I'm supporting who are younger than me, because that means I'm like still connecting. I'm like in touch with like youth. And if you're not in touch with youth, how the hell are you going to attract people to a city? Because pretty soon we'll be 40, and 40-year-olds don't move for vibrancy anymore. They move for like tax cuts or some some boring thing that I'll have to figure out later. But like it's you gotta figure out what the 25-year-olds want. And in, in my business, if I want to stay relevant, I have to make sure I understand what what they want and help them achieve what they want because that's gonna be whatever they want. Maybe they think the bridge is stupid, but they want to paint the giant mural on whatever thing. And if we help them get that done, that means more 25-year-olds are gonna want to move here because they see vibrancy happening and then people's ideas getting done two more questions you've been uh, very kind with the time here and i don't think anyone's gonna think the bridge is stupid anytime soon but on that topic have you taken you your son call me old so i wouldn't throw it past you <laughs> have you taken your son down there yet and have you thought about the fact that for years to come you can say hey dad did that you see that thing pretty cool down there that's that's kind of us that's our family that did that uh we did take um he was there on opening night um and so he didn't see not keep in mind. <laughs> he's five <laughs> weeks old but he is like he'll be attracted to a light bulb or a window so we've re- he can't make eye contact with me yet but he'll fixate on uh on a light so that's cool so we were down there and he, he was seeing the fog and was he was not impressed he just wasn't impressed um but to your the second point like that's good. It's going to be cool. I'll be, it's one of my, you know, my, my Mike and I sitting down there with our arms around each other, like, man, this is cool. Can you imagine it? That's going to be a really cool like thing to show your kid, but I'm already anticipating my kid is going to be like a little whippersnapper and he's going to be like, whatever, dad, that's not that cool. Um, and he's going to think you're a nerd. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for that already. Too. 
<laughs> so we're, we're, we're cool. Hey, Dad, why can't the bridge do any other cooler stuff? Can I play video games on here? No. This sucks, Dad. He's going to go back to his hologram phone and play whatever the Candy Crush version of 2030 is. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. For like $20 a month that I'm somehow paying. <laughs> Last question for you, Ian. It's a, it's a quote that I loved from one of the interviews I saw that you did. I love to create and build, and Milwaukee is an unfinished city. It's a beautiful sentiment. You yourself just helped build something pretty amazing for the city. What's next? What are you going to try to build for the city after this? After you get some sleep and after you uh, get through the very early phases of parenthood. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, um, man, you did your homework on this. I, uh, I so, thank, so thank you. Um, that's a great question. I think I'll answer it two ways. One, whatever's next, I don't think it'll come from me. I think I'll be supporting the next person's brilliant idea. I, and there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there. So I think we... Through this process, we learned a lot. We made some relationships. We also now maybe have a track record of we are willing to stick through the crap to see something through for four years. Um, and that I know a lot. A lot of today's leaders have said that's pretty interesting. You're, you know, your generation is known for instant gratification. That was a long-term pro- project. There was a lot of no gratification for majority of that. Um, but what's next is we're building out a network now. We are. We're able to take what we've learned and we're adding new people to the mix. And some of the people that are attracted to what we were able to do are some of the smartest people in the city. As you used the word beacon before, I think we've we've thrown up a flag and said, this is the way we think. This is the kind of projects we're working on. And other people have approached us with their ideas. Um, and those aren't our ideas. We're just like, oh, wow, these are really, really widely intelligent people. They've got the passion. And if we can help with our our network, our people. Um, so right now, a lot of what we're doing is just capacity building, bringing smart people together, exchanging ideas because iron sharpens iron and the smart, when you get smart people in the room, just keep getting them together and get the hell out of the way, support them how you can. So the next thing I'm going to be, uh, I think Michael and I will probably be like, there'll be something really cool that gets done and we're going to be like behind the scenes helping with it and helping the next person, uh, you know, achieve their, their, their project, their dream, whatever it might be. Cause there were people behind us in the bridge that doesn't happen without them. And we, I want to serve that role on the next, on the next thing. To end with one more cheesy line, then I can't wait to see who you put in the spotlight next. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, there, it was. there it was, there it was, man, you're bright over there. Appreciate well, it. I, yeah, I, I like uh, the opportunity to get inside your kitchen here. So <laughs> yeah, it's quite lovely, isn't it? Yeah. yeah be- when you're doing, when you're doing that high chair, send it over. I need yeah, some more. Honestly, we can keep the hand me downs going. <laughs> yeah, we will get it going. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate. Yeah, that was a blast. Thanks again to Ian Abstin for hanging out with us. If you're curious for more, you can go to lightthehone.com and even buy one of the bulbs and dedicate it to someone in your life. I'd also like to thank two people behind the scenes that do so much work to make this podcast happen. That would be Sarah Smith and Dave Machuda. If you want to check out other podcasts from Fox 6, like Open Record featuring the Fox 6 investigators, you can go to our website, fox6now.com. And a reminder to please leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts so that we can keep Definitely Milwaukee rolling on.